You sure you're ready for this? I'll do my best. Your best? Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and f*** the prom queen. Welcome to the Big Soccer Show, the best soccer show in the whole world. Here we go, best soccer show, backheel.com, Jason Davis, Jared Dubois, live, well no, we're not, I always do that, when we're not live, I say live, it's a crutch, I gotta get rid of my crutches. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, like, uh, what was it, Tiny Tim, cast him <laughs> aside and start dancing? Uh, Tiny Tim, the act, like from A Christmas Carol? No, from Scrooged. <laughs> oh. when, when Mary Lou Retton starts doing flips and stuff oh, like that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, when Mary Lou Retton plays uh, plays Tiny Tim. Yeah, I, I did watch that this Christmas season. I know we're like way past Christmas, but uh-huh. but that's definitely in the in the rotation, right? We we, we talked about I, this. I couldn't find it this year. I mean, I, if I finally got it to when I finally found it and got around to doing it, it was after Christmas. Oh, like no. I didn't record it to like the night before Christmas. Didn't have time. Uh-huh. I just I didn't get this whole season. I can't remember last time I missed that movie over a holiday season. But that's one of my go to ones without a doubt. I was on Netflix. I watched it on Netflix. So I kind of cheated, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, because that is definitely a cable staple during uh, the Christmas season. It except it's you know it's obviously toned down a little bit. Because there's a nipple scene in that movie. Do you remember the nipple scene? Um, oh, yeah, there is. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. All right. We're back here. On- it, it's more of an areola. Like, you don't really yes. see the, the nip itself. R- well, now we're getting into sem- nipple semantics. Is that really what we want to be doing on the best soccer show? Honestly, it's, it's, it's what I want to be doing. On the first show back in a long time, which we are going to get to. Let's do that now, Jerry. Let's go ahead and pull back the curtain. Do the whole explanation. Number one, we're not live tonight. That has nothing to do with some other stuff, but that's about producer Trevor and a lack of connection. That has, to do, with, that has to do with global global warming. Yes, exactly. That is a global warming issue. Hopefully that'll be addressed uh, by the uh, nations of the world going forward. The rest of it, the, the other, some of the other reasons we haven't been on the air, uh, for everybody who doesn't know and may not have heard, Soccer Morning is making a move to world soccer talk that's a that's a big thing um yeah for soccer morning and if you don't know what soccer morning is i don't know where you've been it's that other show that i do on a <laughs> daily basis all right so in order to make sure that everything was going to run smoothly i needed a new studio space let, let, i'll just say that the old studio space and those of you who listen to the best soccer show know we've had some connection issues over the past six months or so maybe even longer than that that jared and i had a lag and on our, our 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 um you know our chemistry, our rhythm was completely thrown. You don't even understand how frustrated Jared was with the rhythm problem. Like I, I'm yeah, sh- because his thing is like frustrated with me because obviously I'm the guy that just interjects a lot. That's kind of my role on the show. And then to get that timing, one thing that Jason and I have always loved about each other is that we can kind of sense where that timing is and find that beat of when the other person can kind of get in. And with even a one to two second de- delay, it really makes it tough to do that. And the frustrating part for me, once again, just to peel back the curtain, we're gonna give you guys a real good behind the scenes, like. Uh, best soccer show kind of thing right now when i go listen to the show jason records the show so on my end i'm hearing myself with a big delay before i start talking i never experienced that on my end right it's recorded on jason's side which also but we're hearing it on our side the listener and myself so when you're listening live you're hearing the connection problems that we were having yeah and obviously it's affected the video feed as well we've had some people have, have for for a while now have been noticing that jared is clear as a bell in the video feed, which is, by the way, that is done by on Trevor Hayward's end. He's the one that records the video feed, hence why 
Jared looks great, and mm. I look terrible. I look I look like a bunch. That's of the pixels. only reason. Well, okay. I mean, natural <laughs> natural beauty aside, the other reason is the the pixelation of my on my terrible connection. So I've moved. Yeah. So we've been studio. working on this for a couple of weeks now, and I mean, it's something we did. We knew that uh, Jason was, it was in ta- and Trevor in talks with uh, a, f- a few entities, and including World Soccer Talk for a while right now. And we knew that in order to get that show in a place where it needed to be, Jason's going to have to get a studio space, a legit well, studio uh, space. Uh, on, and at the same time, though, Jared, it improves the quality of this program. But absolutely. But there is there is a caveat. There is an unfortunate ramification of that, and that is that because. It's not. It's no longer my space that I control. Where this, where my studio is, I know. I now only have access to do best soccer show once a week. So that's. It, 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 maybe that's disappointing to some people, but it means that the Wednesday show is going to go away. So we will. But but it, best soccer show is going to be around. It's just going to be a a Sunday night recording with a Monday delivery for you podcast people. That's all it means. Yeah, and we'll probably do live shows as well Sunday night for people that want live yes, shows. Yes, of course. Yeah, I mean, the video feed will be back up and running once the wind stops blowing Trevor Hayward's and, house And that's down. not to say that here and there we can't maybe make special circumstances to do something uh, every once in a while. But in terms of consistency, we're going to go to uh, Sunday nights, you know, and that used to be the way we did the show way back in the day. Remember, we were yeah. originally a one-time-a-week show, and it's nothing about our commitment to the show or anything like that. It's just in order to get the logistics and the quality we want to present on two different shows, mm-hmm. it's going to create a few logistical issues, one of them being access to a studio at night. Yeah, and so you know that's what? just the way it's going to be, but think of it this way. You're going to get a better quality show right. the one time a week it's going to be on. And, and I will throw this out there. This may not be a permanent situation. I haven't even, done, I haven't even talked to Jared about this, but there are. I have other plans. I have some other things I need to get together in my life, my outside of soccer life. And that may in, that may get us back into a schedule, um, a, tw- a twice a week schedule in the near future, and it may allow us to can to get back to our uh, our game coverage that we are famous. So what for. Jason's saying is, as soon as he gets out of rehab, we're gonna be going back to two times a week. Man, you know what? A sniffing glue is just so hard to kick. Like you picked how, the wrong week to do it. I, I did. I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. All right. Um, so we are here. We are we are not live, but you will be able to listen to this on Monday morning, obviously. And there's there's it's been a little while, so there's some stuff that's old that I feel like maybe we have to acknowledge. But we don't necessarily have to go in depth on, and I suppose that the U.S. friendly win over Panama two nothing is something we have to acknowledge, Jared. I mean, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people have talked it out, and people have probably heard uh, their fill of analysis from it, so we don't spend too much time on it. But I think it, it is important that we do at least give something to it, and just give maybe our our one or two kind of uh, broad perspectives on it. And uh, I think obviously me as the LA guy, I'm coming away talking about Jossie Zardes. I'm sure. not sure if I'm coming away more hyped about it than other people because it means something for a club team I support. But Jason, from your perspective, who's the guy that stands out? And if it is Jesse Zardes, like what's your take on it? Because it's hard for me to separate the club and country thing with okay, this. Okay, well, of, of the new guys, it's, it's Zardes. Of the established guys, oh, it's Michael Bradley because I thought he was mm. back to being Michael yeah. Bradley in that game. Now, look, obviously... Over two games, Jason. Over two games, okay, I think, for Bradley. Fair enough. And look, I know it's Panama... And maybe they weren't in the best shape ever. I know their head coach was making some fitness, uh, you know, excuses. I think, it's what, I think that's the new way to, that, that's the new thing for when you blame, when you lose, every coach in the world is now just going to blame fitness. <laughs> fitness issues, the new hotness, yeah. I couldn't do anything about it. My guys weren't fit. <laughs> Our league doesn't start up for three months. I, we're not fit, obviously, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I thought Michael Bradley was fantastic. Of the new guys, look, the wingers, uh, and, uh, Giassi's artist on one side, Miguel Ibarra on the other, I think they were both pretty good. I think Zardes was a level above Ibarra, and and especially yeah. in terms of decision making, passing, his his uh, both of them did well. 
and I think this is important and maybe a little bit lo- uh, overlooked, but both of them did well tracking back enough to be mm-hmm. uh, to be part of a defensive posture. Yeah, Ibarra ma- was always going to have a much bigger role to play on the defense, though, with Breche yes, behind him. Absolutely. Breche, obviously not a le- natural left back. Uh, now, the other side, um, with DeAndre Yedlin behind him, you would think that that allows Yossi's artist a little bit more freedom, although nobody thinks uh, Yedlin is a fantastic defender. I thought he was actually bad. Uh, both fullbacks were kind of bad. On the day, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I like Yedlin more in the first game before he obviously before he. Uh, oh, I actually picked up the knock in the LA game, but I thought he was better in, in the in the Chile in the Chile game. But um, yeah, I, I, I I'm not worried about Yedlin. I think okay. um, he's had a lot on his uh, on his plate the last month or so. Sure. Um, I I, I think over time he's going to be fine, and hopefully the injury ends up being just as small as uh, as I'm hearing reported, and he gets into uh, some minutes with uh, Spurs probably in the next three to four months. That yeah. would be my hey, hope look, for him. Clearly. You know, signing with Spurs, going over to Spurs, training with Spurs, getting that whole introduction, trying to get up to speed in England, dealing with the new culture, and then jetting it back to to the U.S. to get ready to go down to Chile and then flying back up to to L.A. I mean, that's got to be hell on a player. I don't care who you are. I don't care how good, how how fit you are. That's got to be hell. Now, in terms of I think it's important that they won the game. I know it's a friendly and it doesn't ultimately matter. But considering all of the talk before that, Jared, with um, poor second halves, one win in the last nine, yeah. five games without a win, blah, 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 that was, I think that was important psychologically, although I think it kind of came in spite of Jurgen Klinsmann. I, I, I still, I kind of get some crap. I'm getting some crap on Twitter from people who think I'm too hard on Klinsmann. Who's the, resp- who's the replacement? Who's, who would be better than him? Well, that that is a discussion that's important if you're advocating for. It's but it's it's also exercise in futility. No, well, I mean, it's kind of you don't necessarily uh, look. I I agree that sometimes you hold on to a manager if you don't have a better alternative lined up, but you also don't hold on to a manager just because you're not sure or because there's a process. I think U.S. Soccer is locked in. I don't think he's going anywhere. I I will be the first one to say he's not going anywhere. So when I criticize Jurgen Klinsmann. I just want him to get his crap together, Jared. I just want him to figure it out. I don't, it's not necessarily like fire Klinsman, hire somebody else. That's not what I'm saying because I know he's going to be around. I just want him to actually show me, and maybe he doesn't owe me, but he certainly owes the fans and he certainly owes, owes U.S. soccer. The, he, he's got to show me that he's got a coherent plan that's going somewhere, and I'm not sure he does. Yeah, I, I think that – I don't think we're going to see it anytime soon. I think that there's – I think he's kind of above the law, you know, in his mind. I think that as long as he has a vision in his mind, it's not important to him if it's obvious to everyone else watching. And if they can't see it in his mind, they're dumb. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You can see in that in the way that he goes about his business. You can see that in the way he talks to the media. You can see sort of the way he talks to people in general around the game. He's got this... And I didn't really think about it. I think he doesn't it. respect people that didn't play the game. Maybe like, I that. think if he was a baseball coach, he would be he would not respect Vince Scully because he didn't play professional baseball. That might be it. I also think he just has a condescending attitude about American soccer in general. I'm not saying you might be bringing your own insecurities. No, no, no. That. I'm not saying that he doesn't see value and he doesn't see good things, and and certainly he's highlighted those. And I, I do I do believe he's potential. Otherwise, why would he take the job? But I do think that on the whole. If you're going to think of American soccer as this one thing, I think he, I think he has a condescending attitude. I think he thinks American soccer needs to grow up, that it's a child. Yeah, but I think the world has, has enabled him, though. When you're a finalist for World Coach of the Year 
and your own country's like, we don't get it. Yeah, what a joke. Like, either one <laughs> of the things is wrong. Either we're blind and we don't get it, or the world is basing something on a very small window of, of things that they saw and overinflating the status of a guy named Klinsman. But either way, there's something weird there because the whole rest of the world well, thinks he's one of the best. Look, And we're thinking, we don't get it. There's two things that work there. One, there's some myopia on the part of American soccer where we're sort of locked into our thing. We don't really look outside of ourselves. And maybe that's part of the, cr- the criticism of Klinsman, especially when you don't see progression that he supposedly was supposed to bring. But I also think you can discount not all of the world. Some of them are paying attention, but most of the world who doesn't really understand the American soccer thing we've been dealing with for 20 years just sees Klinsman as sort of the transformational figure that's supposed to bring us along and is more is more willing to sort of think of him as somebody who's got to break everything down and build it back up, I guess, or what, you know, what I think saying? if we did, if we take, let's break Klinsman back down a little bit. Okay. Come off of him and let's talk about some of the stuff he's done. What do you think about the pairing of Michael Bradley and mixed discrude over the last two games in two different systems? How do you feel that matchup, assuming not that matchup, but that partnership has worked and do you see it something that still has a future? I don't think it gets the most, the the best out of both of them, but I think it lets Bradley be a better player than he's been for the national team. What um, do you think? Do you think they need someone like Jermaine Jones behind him? Is that Klinsman? Is that Klinsman's kind of um, parachute or like his safety net having Jermaine Jones behind those two? And maybe it's a crutch for him at some points. Maybe, but I don't think he. I think he's pot committed on on Jermaine Jones as a center back. I think he's. I think I'm, he's listen, I'm not necessarily opposed to it because I see glimpses of something really fantastic that he can do there, but I also see a lot of glimpses of things that are liabilities. Well, because it's, it's what like I love else. is when he comes charging out to get to win a ball that the midfielder would normally get and missed. Yeah. He just he commits. But my problem is he has a tendency to maybe overcommit. Well, I mean, it, it, it it's sort of like. It's like if you took, okay, I'm going to use um, auto racing as an analogy here. You could take the best F1 driver in the world who mm-hmm. does all those twists and turns on those street courses in Europe all the time, the Monaco Grand Prix, and yeah. uh, you know, and and you could drop you could drop them into a NASCAR race, and they're going to hold their own. They're going to be okay, but they're not winning yeah. that race. They're not going to be as you take the champion, Unlikely, of, yeah. the champion of F1, and drop them into a NASCAR race, and they're probably not going to win. They may be competent, but, but I'm going to take your analogy one step further. That F1 driver has to be better because he's European. He should be able to step into any, any, anything in America and do well. That's, uh, that's fairly interesting. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not tired of talking about Klinsman and his thing yet because I think he is endlessly fascinating and give him credit for that because he makes us think about these things rather than just sort of. And look, I think Bob Bradley was, is a good coach who obviously hit his ceiling with the national team. But he's dour, and he doesn't answer questions like this, and he doesn't go on media and do this thing that Klinsman does. And there's some, there's some added benefit to Klinsman being who he is personality-wise. I see that. I, I mean, I told, I, you know, I had a conversation with Alexi Lawless last week on Soccer Morning, and Alexi identified the thing, which is that Klinsman talks down to everybody, and it sounds like he's giving uh, a pep talk uh, to a bunch of 12-year-olds at a summer camp. But at the same time, he makes us talk about it because he's out there. He's doing this thing. He's asking questions that we have to think about that we haven't considered before. So there's that. So real quick, entertain me for a second, this one notion, but before we move on from the national team, we're talking about Jermaine Jones as center back. Let's have a quick center back depth conversation. How many center backs in the pool right now are actually better in your mind or better suited to be a center back right now 
in the U.S. back line than Jermaine Jones. Do I get to consider the partner, or am I just going straight ability? Okay, so uh, okay, let's let's assume it is Matt Beasler's the partner. Matt, no, let's Matt, say no, I think he has. I think Jurgen Klinsmann has a hard one for John Anthony Brooks. So let's assume John Anthony Brooks is the other starter. Ooh, well, I don't think. Okay, actually, Jermaine Jones might be a decent partner for John Anthony Brooks. Jermaine Jones might be a decent partner for. Is there a better? Is there a more legit like pencil in center back candidate than John Anthony Brooks at this point? Well, I mean, you say that Klinsman's got one for Brooks, but I still think Beasler is going to start a game that you need to win. Okay. All right. So let's assume Beasler then. So Beasler's the center back. Who is the partner, and what's the depth chart of the partner for for Matt Beasler? Um. Well, I mean, I mean, who know? I don't. I don't know. I mean, who are who are we? We're talking about Jones. We're talking about the Gonzalez. fact that you have to say I don't know. I think I think is why your your has been forced in a position where he has to use Jermaine Jones. Yeah, I know. I, I suppose. I guess, is it Omar I guess Gonzalez, question, a guy who the, the camp yeah, was in his here. backyard and didn't even get called in? Well, here. I don't know if there's an explanation for that. If there's not, then yeah, that's weird. Okay, but let me go. Let me present it to you this way. I'm gonna flip it around and give it to you. You have a go. game. You have a game against Mexico Gold Cup final. Okay. You have Matt Beasler, Omar Gonzalez, Jermaine Jones, John Anthony Brooks. I don't know. You want to throw Matt Hedges in there? Who am I missing? Sure. Who am I missing? Am I missing anybody? Um, you could throw in a uh, Michael Orozco. Okay, Michael Orozco. Who's you, who are you starting? Are you starting Jermaine Jones and Matt Beasler, or are you starting somebody else? Are the tandem in front of me, Bradley and uh, and and uh, and, and Discrude? Discrude? Well, my, certainly Bradley's there. Whether or not Discrude's there could be about... If it's know. Bradley and Discrude, then I'd probably take Jermaine Jones. If it's Bradley and um, Beckerman, I would probably go with Omar Gonzalez. Because you know Beckerman's going to be... I think Beckerman and Bradley will frustrate the midfield enough that Mexico will tend to go long. And if Mexico's going to go long and bypass the midfield, then Omar Gonzalez is the guy you want back okay, there. Okay, fair enough. I, I mean, I, I do think that there's something to be said for Omar Gonzalez and his ability to dominate everything aerially. I don't... He's obviously not the best positional defender all the time. He is a good emergency mm-hmm. defender. Now, you could we can look at that and go, well, he's a good emergency defender because he has to be because he's out of position. Yeah, but you obviously want to pair Omar Gonzalez, big dog, little dog, with somebody who has good positional awareness and can cover that space that he leaves open. Now, what we saw in Chile with the three-man back line is that none, no, obviously everybody talked about how Birnbaum was okay or pretty good, but Beasley and Jones had no idea how to work together against. Yeah, there was there was a lot of loss there. Yeah, again, and it was on Beasley too, a guy you expect to be where he's supposed to be was but just. You know lost. what? I, I'm going to stand up for Matt Beasley a little bit here. It must be hard to predict what Jermaine Jones is going to do. No, that's exactly what I'm saying. And, and that's my, that's going to be always going to be my fear with Jermaine Jones at center back is look, we talked about in the lead up to the World Cup, the entire discussion about the midfield revolves around Jermaine Jones and whether or not you could tether him to a position and you could keep him positionally uh, sound and, and, and whether or not he was going to go roaming all over the place, creating gaps Mm -hmm. that were going to be exploited by your opponents. Now, ultimately, Klinsman settled on that diamond and put Jermaine Jones out wide and gave him lots of space to roam. Yeah, a lot of freedom. He can't do that at center back, and he knows it, but he can't. sometimes he can't help himself. At one point against Panama, I looked up, and the man was on a 60-yard run up the left yeah. sideline, and I go, what are you doing? I mean, I don't care if you end up scoring because ultimately that's not going to be the thing that wins important games. You, you know what Clinton's going to tell us, though? If you were to if we were to bring that up, Clinton would tell you it's not a big deal if every other person on the team understands their role and they fill that gap. Okay, but let's come back to that because 
Jurgen Klinsmann is notorious for setting guys out, saying, here's a formation, here's my lineup, and not giving them a plan. Now, this this obviously came out, and it sounded like sour grapes at the time, but it came out in Philip Lom's book. Okay, so take that for what it's worth. Obviously, Klinsmann was a failure at Bayern Munich. Maybe Lom is exaggerating. But then this past week, we had Will Trapp, who I think everybody in America who knows anything about soccer thinks is going to be a star at some point, yeah. it, whether it's MLS and the national team or whatever. I, I was I was I watched Will Parchman like wax poetic about Will Trapp's passing ability on Twitter. Will Trapp the has the has the career path of somewhere between Mike, uh, Kyle Beckerman and Michael Bradley. It's it's going to be up there. He's going to be good. And he told he talked about after he came to back to Columbus from camp. He talked about going out there, being put on the left side of midfield, and not getting and this is against Chile in the diamond or uh, sorry in the yeah. Three five two. Three five two. Well, no, it was uh, second half, so it was already. Second half, they went to four four two. Went right. to a four four two, but he was still put out on the left. And he talked about how Klinsman played him out of position, which okay, we can argue whether that's a thing or not. I, I mean, I, I would prefer to have guys play their natural position, but I understand that if you don't have somebody good in one spot, you need to move people. But he didn't give him any instruction. He didn't tell him what to do. How does that happen at this level? How does a young player call out his national team coach, too? I, I love it. Don't get me wrong, but, I mean, is he getting called back? Well, look, uh, here's the thing. If Klinsman blackballs Will Trapp, I mean, damn. Damn. Seriously, are we really going to go down that road? Like, it, can, you, can you afford to blackball anybody unless he comes out and says Jurgen Klinsman's a fraud, which he didn't? I, I don't think he can afford to blackball anyway, but if there's a position you can afford to blackball someone at, it's the holding midfield position for the U.S. We have plenty of those. The... the Will Trapp is eligible. I believe he's going to be eligible for the Olympic team. I don't know when the cutoff is. He turns 23 next January. So I guess he would technically, yeah, he would, it's the U23. So if you're 23 the year of, you're good. So he's going to be in that Olympic team. That, he certainly can't be blackballed from that because he makes that team better. He should make that team better. I know you got Emerson yeah. Hyman, who's a little bit younger, good experience. There, there are some players in this pool. But I think, I think Klinsman, I don't know. I mean, again, I, I don't want to raise this up and make this a national issue. I just, I don't understand how you don't tell your guys, especially a substitute, what, what you want them to do, how you want them to play. All you have to do is tell Will Trapp, I want you to stay, you know, I want to stay, I want you to stay box to box or. Yeah, be we, between the two 18 yard, 18 yard boxes right, right. on yeah, the you uh, know, left side of midfield, stay pinch on the, in where you have to, right. make sure you cover the left back position when it goes forward. Stay on the left flank or, you know, hey, try to cut inside to let Shea make some runs past you, overlapping runs. I mean, figure something out. Give him some notion of what your plan is. And everybody should have a notion of what the plan is. And, and here's the thing. You take this little incident, which again, friendly Panama and Chile, who gives a crap? But you go all the way back to Brian Strauss and that piece ahead of the Honduras game or Costa Rica game back in 2013. And this is exactly the thing that was coming out, that these guys didn't know what he wanted from them because he didn't tell them. Is, is, he, is this part of his lesson, Jared? Is he telling us as a soccer nation, you need to adapt and figure it out on your own? Is this one of that, those things? Or does he really not think it's important? I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm trying to figure it if out. You, if you ask your conclusion, he's going to say the latter. He, no, he's not. He's not former. big on having. Listen, I, I, the players should be able to know at this level. The parents should be able to know. They should be able to understand it. That's the problem with America. They don't understand at this level yet. They, they don't come along quickly enough. They, tactically, that's the kind of stuff you're going to get. But listen, at a certain point, you got to realize how to approach your audience. You know, yeah. didn't you just have to change locations to get a better like quality uh, <laughs> uh, quality to your audience? Yeah. You got to know what your audience wants. And Klinsmann's audience, maybe maybe we got to be spoon fed. Yergi, maybe we have to be spoon fed. 
does that bother you? Yes, but at some point you got to appeal to your audience a little bit. I mean, if a guy like Will Trap needs that needs that kind of clarification, maybe you're not happy with it, but still, isn't it better to yeah, come but, down, but bring again, down your expectation a little bit because, and get the most of an up-and-coming player? Okay, but again, let me point out that one of the world's best fullbacks complained about this very issue. It's not, look, Philip Lahm grew up in Germany. He plays for Bayern Munich. If anybody should have a notion of how to play and how to figure it out, it's Philip Lahm. And yet he was complaining about the same thing. He was making an issue out of the same, out of the same thing that Clemson's doing now with this national team. So it, it can't just be that American players or this young player doesn't know how to adapt and he needs to figure it out because, hey, Philip Lahm didn't get instruction and he was upset about not having to figure it out. He may have, they may have figured it out at Bayern Munich, not enough to keep Klinsman in the job. Mm. But that can't be a lesson that Klinsman is teaching at Bayern Munich. You know, I'm do, I want to do a little test with you, and this is going to take yeah. it away. I'm just thinking about U.S. defenders right now, so I started looking up a certain guy's name. A guy that's only 28, but seems way older than that at this point. All right, a little guy okay. named Jonathan Spector. Oh, I thought you were going to give me a who is it and give me clues. okay. But here's the thing. I'm, oh, I should have because I want. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to guess. How many Twitter followers Jonathan Spector has? <laughs> Don't look it up. Off the uh, top of your head, if you had to guess, how many Twitter followers does, your, does Jonathan Spector have? 2,312. 187,000 <laughs> followers. Are you? Oh, because he plays in England. Yeah, that's why. I should have known better than that. Why did I do that? There are some guys, there are MLS players on Twitter who have like 3,000 followers. That It makes no sense. Well, Timothy yeah. Chandler doesn't even have a Twitter handle. Okay, well that... Good for just, just just one more reason to hate Timothy. <laughs> Man, you are harsh on him. My man's out of touch. You are damn dog. That's in a pro. You are harsh on Timmy. Chandler. You know, I would understand having an Instagram because it'd just be a bunch of pictures of Frankenstein. But Twitter. By the way, speaking of of Instagram and social media and the the absolute kings of it in this part of the world when it comes to uh, soccer, uh, the mm. the king and queen of social media, mm. Sydney Larue. And Dom Dwyer announced their marriage on Valentine's Day over oh, there's social so media. many like beautiful caramel babies coming our way. I mean, now, they're going to be athletes and beautiful. I mean, it, it's going to be amazing. Isn't it just? Doesn't it just warm your heart when beautiful people find each other, Jared? Isn't it? It does, just and I want to believe they're good people too. I want to believe they're good people. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. I, I know. I I've seen Dom Dwyer off the field, and he's probably what you would expect, or he was probably what you would expect. I don't know what he's going to be like as a married dude. And and look, he's 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 hey, congratulations Dom Dwyer. Congratulations to Sidney LaRue too. I'm not saying Dom Dwyer's a good-looking guy. I can say that, right? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, that that guy's eyes like chill me to the bone. Yeah, I, here's the thing about this that I find fascinating. For, number one, they only announced that they were dating like what? 3 months ago, 2 months ago? Like they mm -hmm. only revealed that they were dating a couple months ago on social media, like that. Like, it, and it wasn't. So, so you're, you're telling me you tell me you feel they rushed it? No, I have no idea. Maybe they, maybe they didn't. But I'm just saying, like, it's it feels fast because I remember not that long ago. Listen, if I'm Don Dwyer, you locked that down. Oh well, no, I, you locked that down. Of course. Now here's the question: Is she going to be Sydney Dwyer? She's going to keep. She got to keep Larue, right? They they had the, they showed jerseys of both of them having Dwyer. No, on I understand that. This. And maybe she maybe she goes with Larue. Such a badass name. It is. It's completely. But badass you know name. what? Kind of super Canadian. No, no, we got Larue's down here. We got some. Yeah, I know. But you got the, you've got a French name with an X in the back of it, and you're from <laughs> Canada. It's super Frenchy. Okay. There, well, it's certainly French. I don't know. You're Dubois. I mean, come I on. Know. <laughs> 
People can people but think from the U.S. at least. Yeah, but people do. Well, so she's from. I know. Look, I know her background. I'm just saying she's a she's American and Canadian. People think that you're Quebecois sometimes. Like, uh, parlez-vous français? No, they just think I'm super fringy, <laughs> which is just as bad. But you know, everyone's assuming that they're going to have American children. You know, that there's some logistics to have to happen here to make that happen. All right, let me ask you a question. If you uh, if you had a choice, and you're certainly not in control, is another pick your point. You're not in control. Okay, how about this? You're the recruiting coordinator for the U.S. soccer, U.S. men's national team, or whatever. I'm poking a hole in their prophylactic. You no. Well, okay. Let's assume that the that Larue and Dwyer have kids. Okay, let's just put that out there. Let's assume that one day they have children. Super babies. You are you are responsible for making sure that American soccer talent that has that you know can that is eligible for the U.S. ends up turning out for the U.S. You don't want to lose them to Canada. You don't want to lose them to uh, to England in the case of Dwyer and Larue. Okay. Yeah. So you but you have you have. Two, you have there are two players, two very good players. It doesn't even matter, women's team, uh, men's team. Okay, one of them is the child of Jada Merritt and Ashley McAvoy. Ooh, and one of them is a beautiful baby too. One of them is a child, snow skinned baby. (laughs) One of them is the child of Larue and Dwyer. Which one do you think is like? Where are you going to aim your 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 resources? Here's the I'm gonna I'm putting my resources behind the Larue Dwyer baby, and because here's they're both soccer, players. double the soccer, yeah, double soccer. Now at the same time, though, no true American citizenship. No, well, no Larue was an American. citizen. I know, I know. You know where I'm coming from, though. But you know that pull it that pull of the English homeland. I mean, and I don't know. Here's the thing: Dom Dwyer's gotten some U.S. national team chatter. Like people are like, "Can he get citizenship? Can we get him in the team?" That's kind of like that's that's one of those things I'm not really. I don't really like where, to- where, where would Dwan Dwyer be right now in the talent pool oh, for man. striker I, five six somewhere in that range I think I think that's a good shout I think that's a good shout I listen I love I, here's what I love more than anything you know me if He's I was to write Jared Dubois US soccer manifesto for becoming yeah. the next world power sport in the US right up there at the top would be super couple who announced their wedding the on through People magazine, <laughs> like I love that it was a they announced to People magazine that they're that stature that it gets broken by a uh, like, a, like a like come a on. pop culture like a chatter. Magazine. That's all her. That's all her though. I mean, I, no offense to Dom, but that's all. Yeah, her. but she if she was marrying a dog, it wouldn't be in there. No, no, of course. The fact that he's a good-looking athlete adds is, is the reason. Is part of the reason. I'm just saying that cele- in terms of celebrity power, he's got to know. He's got to know, right? He's got to understand where the dynamics of that lie. Like, she's the one. Yeah. All right. I, I would say so, but I will also say this. Then if my, also, if my job is as U.S. soccer recruiter, my job is to make sure that Dom Dwyer only plays for stateside teams because they're p- choosing to live where his team is Yeah, in Kansas City. Yeah. If he's in Toronto or he's in Vancouver, there's a chance that baby gets born across the wrong side of the border. I, I, wonder, I wonder if... I don't know what the citizenship laws of England are. I'm assuming that their their child would have English citizenship. I mean, I don't I, I don't know what those laws are. They would have it'd be eligible for a passport, and that's all that matters oh. really, in terms of playing club ball over yeah. there. But for for citizenship and for the national team, I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, the, uh, there's also been some talk about uh, Dom Dwyer changed something on his Twitter profile or something, and it doesn't say sporting forward or something anymore. And people people overreact to this stuff sometimes. But I think you know what it says. It says baller who took your girl. <laughs> I think I think it's interesting. Yeah. By the way. The the most hated men in American soccer are the for yeah the most hated men in American soccer Dom Dwyer and um oh my God why am I blanking on him the so, so, uh, uh, Carrasco those are the most hated oh, men yeah, in yeah, American yeah. soccer I mean, those two guys they need to be high fiving next time they see each other 
I think they just need to. Be, I think I just want them to be happy, to be happy people, to go live their lives and be happy people. So you know what's funny? We don't talk about the the uh, the Alex and Carrasco baby like we do about the Cindy the Rue and Dumb Dwyer question. baby. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that kid, if there is a kid, and you know whatever, I'm sure that that kid is going to be an incredible soccer player as well. If they choose soccer, are we the first country to have to deal with this? Like the soccer power couple? You think about it, like women's soccer hasn't really been that yeah. much of a thing for very long. Yeah. A lot of the rest of the world, like, are we the first like real country to be doing this? I th- I'm I think we have to be. That's our legacy. I think we have to be because, like you said, there's not enough of a history, and women's soccer players aren't really star like they're not big enough stars. And I don't know that they're marrying soccer players. Maybe that maybe that's happened, but yeah, the closest thing we would have in this country without that would be like if Venus Williams like was marrying LeBron or something like that. Well, you get there's. I'm trying to think of. Um, well, what I was going to say is we have no guarantee, and really, why, it's not our business. Why we sh- should we care? We have no guarantee that the Carrasco Morgan ca- child or the uh, Dwyer um, uh, Larue child mm-hmm. is going to end up being a soccer player. They could just as easily be a, end up being. Then a they ba- failed as parents, a basketball player or a tennis player, or not playing sports at all. I, I think that's unlikely. But I'm just thinking about Joachim Noah here, for example. Dad's a famous tennis player. He ends up being a basketball player. Um, I think like Dwight Gooden's kid ended up being a basketball player. There, there's a bunch of those, you know, examples of the parent playing one sport and the kid mm-hmm. choosing a different sport. Uh, they got to raise these kids right because you end up the, most you, most parents' job is to keep the kid off the pole. Their <laughs> kid's job is to keep the kid on the pitch, off the pole and off the drugs. Those those are the two jobs, right? That's what we do That's every day. We wake up as parents, Jared, and we go, "My kid's not on drugs, and my kid's not stripping. I think I'm good." Yeah, I, good. I've won. I, I I win at life. All right, so look, I, congratulations to the happy couple. It did come as a surprise. I kind of feel like they owed us a big wedding, but I don't know. Maybe not. I think they just have a bigger, even even bigger reception. They need to. Have, just, that's that is a party I want to be at. Just you know who could host at that party? Who? Freddie Adu. Oh, that is his new gig these days, isn't it? <laughs> well, I think he's just filling his time. But yeah, there was a lot of uh, stuff made about the fact that Freddie Adu uh, was hosting a club night in D.C. Somebody like who ate all the pies or one eight hundred one great goals. One of those English blogs turned it into that. Hey, Freddie Dew doesn't have a club now. He's DJing or now he's oh he has a club. No, he's a promoter now. He's yeah. promoting and he got on Twitter and responded and was like, "How do they get promoting out of hosting? I'm just hosting. I'm still working hard. I'm still doing." Yeah, but honestly, honestly, who is the person and what do they look like? That's like you know I was gonna stay home tonight, but Freddie's hosting a party downtown. Like, who's showing up for the Freddie Adu allure? It's <laughs> a good question, actually. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much of a sell he is. I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't make it down to that club. <laughs> so I'm not, not sure exactly what went down. If, if, Freddie Adu, if Freddie Adu had a signature, like, vodka brand, what would it be called? On trial? Oh, oh my good God. Come on. That's not. That's not. There's too many meetings there. And he's a, he's a good kid. Well, I didn't mean it like that. Jeez, I know. I know. Danger zone. Here's a question for you. All right. He, he, he's hosting at a club in D.C. while he's between football clubs, soccer clubs. Mm-hmm. But let's, let's, let's imagine that, it, you know, Freddie hangs it up. What could he do? Like, what's his next he step? He has an internet show called Between Two Clubs. <laughs> what is his next step? Like, seriously, what... Because I don't want him to just disappear. I think he could be out there doing something. He, he was so college ball or something like that. Yeah, he probably he probably would end up coaching. He didn't go to college, but he probably would end up coaching. Somebody would hire him 
to be like the face of their academy or something. Bradenton should hire him, or MLS Academy should hire him to be the cautionary tale to, to, well, that's, to, that's, to be the guidance counselor. That's for what I'm academies. saying. Like, like they would say, Freddie Adu is going to be the the, the uh, assistant director, Liaison. the assistant director of such a, such and such academy. But really, why he's there is so he can stand up and go, guys, you gotta you gotta do this, you gotta do this. I mean, and how old is he now? Twenty five. Yeah, to him right there. Twenty five years old, Freddie Adu. And, and uh, you know, as long as he's out there doing his thing or not doing his thing or being unrealized potential Freddie Adu, and eventually the potential runs out and he's just a sad, unemployed soccer player. Oh, he he holds a he holds uh, he casts a shadow. He he has he has a, a hold on American soccer a little bit, don't you? What think? I really wanted to happen. Uh, listen, I don't mean this. I don't want to talk ill of Freddie Do, but what I really want to happen, just from like a like an entertainment standpoint, I want him to be like soccer's Kirk Cameron. I want him just to go off the deep end. <laughs> Just make- like way out there, way out okay, there. Like no. no one talks about like, hey, that's Kirk Cameron, the guy that used to be on Golden pa- Growing Pains. No, like, that's Kirk Cameron, the freaking crazy guy. Yeah. No, I know he's. Cr- yeah. I don't. I don't. Want, Maybe he can no. find Scientology. I don't want Freddie to go crazy. I, I don't. I'm. I, I. I have a soft spot for him, and I know lots of people are, are done with Freddie. They don't give him any any leeway anymore at all because of his history, because of the number of clubs, because of how many times he's failed. But I still, I still put. So much of what Freddie Do is and what he wasn't on the people that signed him up at 14. That's that's still where I put the blame. Fair. Maybe I'm wrong. That's fair. But I still think, and I still think there's a story to be told. I'll, I'll bang that drum again. Where's my Freddie Do 30 for 30? Where is my story of the behind-the-scenes machinations that resulted in MLS and DC United ending up with a 14-year-old kid? Where's the pep- yeah, where's, wait? Was Peter Novak or Tom Stone the, the manager at that time? Peter, Peter Novak, Peter, right? Where is the where is the Pepsi, Pepsi executive who decided to pull the trigger on giving a multi million dollar contract to a fourteen year old? Where is that? Where's that story? Where is somebody sitting down saying, "I blame this on I put this on Don Garber's at Don Garber's feet." Don Garber's done a lot a good for MLS. I know he's under fire for some stuff. Rightfully so, he deserves to be judged every single day he's in charge. The one thing I don't feel like, like he's ever had to answer for is Freddie Adu. You know, this isn't on the uh, the docket for tonight, so I'm not sure if you if you've seen it or not. But it, since we're talking about like cautionary tales of youth coming up through f- professional football, have you seen about the new kind of agreement that LA Galaxy is now doing with Cal State Dominguez Hills? I have with not. their academy. I have not. Uh, there's a piece out there for it was uh, Sean Stefan, I believe, who did it for SB Nation, and. Um, Basically, they signed a new, a young uh, 17 year old. I can't remember his name right now. He's got like a Japanese last name. I apologize. I'm forgetting right now. But he was uh, on pace to go to a, a college away to be a collegiate soccer player. LA Galaxy now has some kind of deal with Cal State Dominguez Hills where he will play for, um, Los Dos in, uh, in the, in USL Pro. Well, USL, excuse me. And he will, and the Galaxy is going to give him a stipend for college at Cal State Dominguez Hills, where the Louisville Stadium is on the campus of. Right. It's a right. So basically, allowing a young player to get the best of both worlds right. without having to go play collegiate soccer. Right. Ryo Fuji is his name. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, it's. It, I have to read up on this. I did see something about it earlier in the week. It is. It is fascinating. It is that because I think a lot of people have have logically wondered why um you why MLS academies don't figure out a way. To get their kids a college education or set them up to go to college, yeah, but not have them play college soccer because what we get is, and, and some people claim this is a failure of the academies. I'm not sure I see it that way, but I get their point. Anytime an MLS academy 
has a 17, 18-year-old kid who's not ready to sign a contract, who goes off to college, they celebrate. Like, congratulations to so-and-so yeah. for getting a scholarship to Maryland. And you're like, wait a second, isn't your job to make him a pro? Yeah, Why? but if you have 18 guys on your on your, uh, on your your uh, U18 roster, you don't have a spot for 18 guys in any professional team no, coming I, right up. I realize There's always going to be guys that don't make it. I realize that, but now you got USL, you got USL Pro. Well, it's not USL Pro, it's just USL. you got those teams in the mix now. Mm-hmm. So if you are the if you are a team that's running a holy a, a holy functional team as in LA Galaxy two Seattle Sounders two Portland Timbers two TFC two, shouldn't you be getting those kids contracts, getting them paid, putting them in that rigorous environment to be professionals? And hey, like you said, pay Ryo Fuji to go to college too. Give him a little bit of money to go to Cal State Dominguez Hills and get. I think it's a little bit different than that, or at least it can be marketed differently than that. Maybe it is a failure, and and Galaxy is just trying to do something different. But what I do no, like, no, no, no. I'm is saying that, that build this, is, this as no. I'm saying this is a good thing. I'm saying why aren't no, other me too. Teams and playing? I think it, the way you need to market this is that. We owe our players more than just development as a player. We know them as development as a person. No, I agree with that. Yeah. And that's a great way of looking at it. And if there's a, and granted, LA is lucky enough to have their stadium on the campus of a university and they have a, a, they have all sorts of relationships with that university. Everyone else may not have that same ability, but there might be something that can be done other places too. And I think it's a real novel way of looking at your academy system and also giving the parents of these kids maybe a little peace of mind. Cause we've talked many times, Jason, about the parental aspects of parents, sport, of sport. Sports parents in this country don't understand the soccer model of right. youth professionals. Well, okay, and, and, and that's the other thing here, is Ryo Fuji has to be willing to go get his education, and no offense, at Cal State Dominguez Hills, which I'm guessing yeah. isn't in the top 50 colleges in this country. Okay, So no. there, there are some kids who come to the end of their academy experience who maybe get offered a, a contract and could go play in, in the USL Pro for the reserve team. And maybe you could get training with the top level and that, that, that be a thing that helps them advance. But they're not going to go to college. And even if they can go to college, you could go part-time at the nearby school, which may or may not be the best. So yeah. we, as you said, we still have a country where, where parents go, okay, you're 18, it's time to go to college. Stanford's offering you a scholarship to go play soccer. You're taking that. You're going. Yeah, it's a tough conversation. It's yeah. a tough conversation, especially since Stanford has a decent soccer team, too. Yeah. Um, it's not like you're going like, I don't know, I was to say Princeton, but there's been plenty of professionals that came out of Princeton. Hey, we got we got uh, professional American soccer players that went to Harvard. I mean, it happened. That's true. And, we, we have a very, and that's the thing. We have a very educated player base in this country, which kind of relates to the whole, the whole CBA thing, because I'm reading about, you know, speaking of Stanford, I'm reading about the CBA and all these players talking about strike. Todd Dunavit, economics degree from Stanford. Damn. Yeah. Damn, and, and let's not forget LA Galaxy. The, the the team who we're just talking about has found this like innovative approach. Is uh, the president of which is uh, Chris Klein, former player. Yeah. Also, I think it was a business degree as well, if yes. I remember correctly. Yeah, for I believe him. believe he was a financial advisor for a little while after his career. Yeah, for yeah. a short time. Yeah, until yeah. LA said, "Hey, you know what? You're pretty smart. Why don't yeah. you come try to run both sides of this?" All right, we got a couple other things to talk about here. Uh, let me let me roll into the the CBA stuff just to kind of take stock of it, Jared. We. You know, the the strike talk continues. We've got, what, two weeks and a couple of days left until yep. the season starts. Oh, well, I should be excited. I should be. Somebody, yeah, it's that's the other thing. MLS is not only, okay, if there's a work stoppage, that's obviously the worst case scenario. Yeah. But regardless of the thing, is or not, MLS is losing out on the buzz a bit because the base knows that the players are out there talking strike. And the base isn't going to get excited. I mean, we got we got pro challenges going down in Austin, giving out golden armadillo trophies and 
It's fantastic. People are getting, you know, people are watching games going, oh, preseason soccer. I, I can't really do preseason soccer, but I understand that for an ardent fan of a team, that's something that gets you going. But then after you get done, you got to sit there and read the story about how Bobby Boswell says we're striking. You know, that, that got to be a buzzkill. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough for the average fan, I think. But I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I want to say I side with the players. I want to say that. Yeah. But and people are going to tell me I'm a MLS uh, sellout. But I understand the position that the owners are in. Mm. I think a lot of these owners have lost a lot of money over a lot of time. And I understand wanting a certain. I understand wanting a certain bit of control financially, but I also feel that they're not giving up as much as they could. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I agree with that. I don't think they're giving up as much as they could. And you can always assume that the rich people are going to be, not all of them, but a Dicks. lot of them are going to be conservative, like ultra conservative. Because yeah. they, they, it's, there's a, the difference here is that there's got to be some ground that the, the owners can give up that won't break the bank, that, yeah. will, that will appease the players so we can have some soccer because I want my MLS. But, so I want to be on the player side too. But I just don't think it's going to be. I don't think we need some wholesale, massive release of money by the owners. Or look, it's not that I don't want that. I guess I do. I want them to spend as much as as possible. I'm just being realistic about what I expect them to do, and I don't expect them to do that. Because yeah, it's a hard conversation, man. I really, I'm anxious to see where this ends up. I don't know to be optimistic about how little is coming out of the, about the talks or is that a bad sign that not enough is being talked about well i'm not sure but it's very very on the hush hush so far with only two weeks left to go with the season i mean apparently they're not making much progress that they're they've hit an impasse now they've got federal mediators involved now that that helped the last time around in 2010 they brought in a federal mediator he, he he helped get things rolling and eventually we got a deal done before the season started the only diff- the difference this time around, the part that scares people, is that the pl- the players, while they did talk about some free agency and they talked about a little bit about a work stoppage back in 2010, this seems much harder of a line. And they are very clear that if we don't get free agency now, we don't think we're going to get it for a very long time. This is where we make our stand, especially, again, yeah. with the money that's coming into the league from outside sources. Now, you know, SUM is a thing that has to be considered. Obviously, Garber says we're losing $100 million. But when you see the TV contracts and you see the expansion fees, that gets people thinking, hey, there's got to be money here you can release. Now, whether or not free agency is the right way to spend that, that's the issue. And, and again, this is about the, the league holding on to its structure because it protects them and indemnifies them against loss. While the players are saying everybody else gets free agency, we deserve free agency. And I don't think we'll go very broad or into a bit in-depth conversation about this, but I do want to throw it out there. If you haven't read the great article over at uh, American Soccer Now about uh, pattering the um, the budget or the salary or free agency where MLS on the UC, University of California kind of uh, model, that's a great article to go read over there at American oh, Soccer okay. Now. I have not seen that one. I'll have to uh, check Duh, that out. Duh and or hello. All right. Uh, a couple of other things here. I'm going to come back to Jurgen Klinsmann very briefly and I'm only doing this because a couple of figures in American soccer commented on it, Jared. I know people are tired about talking about the fitness thing. But Matt Beasler goes back to to Sporting Kansas City to get ready for the season and makes some comments and says, hey, look, I got a plan. My plan is to have me ready, full fitness by March 1st, because that's when our season starts. Peter Vermees is out there saying that the comments by by Jurgen Klinsmann are ridiculous. And so it continues. We're, are we going to keep doing this? Is going to roll over again? Oh, I hope again? so. You you enjoy this? Oh, of course I enjoy this. Wouldn't you love? I would love if Bruce Arena weighed in. 
Mm, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. It'd be just a great little like d- debate sandwich. But listen, I get where my Beezers are coming from. Now, granted, I don't know if anywhere at any time Jurgen Klinsmann told Matt Beezer back in November, "Hey, by the way, I'm planning on calling you in for the January camp, so be ready." Right, right. I'm guessing that didn't happen. Right. So if you're not going to give a guy until a week to two weeks notice that he's going to be in a camp in January, you can't expect him to be in shape for that camp. Matt Beezer's right to be st- making his uh, his regimen to be ready in peak fitness for March. Right. That's the right thing to do. Right. And now, if you're going to announce your January camp in November, I think Jurgen has a, then well, has a leg to stand on. Right. So now you're, you're opening up a question of whether or not the players should assume they're going to get called and even if that's even fair to them in coming off of their season, heading into an offseason. Think about yeah, this. Yeah, especially a player that had a World Cup season. Yeah, you played in a, Matt Beasley played in a World Cup. He comes back to sporting. He helps them into the playoffs. I mean, they... They don't go deep. I mean, they're not, they, they obviously weren't an MLS Cup, but the, you see them, you know, you see them going into November. Then he's, okay, now it's the offseason. I got some time to rest up. I got to get ready for next year. Who pays the bulk of my salary? I mean, they make some money for the national team, but who, who pays the bulk of my salary? Who's the really funding my life? The club. It's the club. So I need to be ready by March 1st. And look, I don't know that you could even, I, I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not, I'm not busting my ass every day to stay in shape. I got to imagine it's tough. Coming off of a long year, you played all those minutes, you went down to Brazil, you came back to try to ramp it right back up so that you can be, what, fully fit by January 1? Are you serious? Yeah, and I'll equate it to my normal life. I love doing this show, but I have another job that pays me. Yeah. And that's where I get that's where I get my my money for my life from. That's my career right now. And so while I would love to make this the priority at all times, I have a certain obligation to make sure that if my work wants me to work a night shift, I need to be there and I can't do a show that night. Are you trying to tell us that that's why you give a half ass effort around here? Is Most, that what no, that's just say? me as a person. That's just you as a, as a human being. I All try right. not to commit to anything if I don't have to. All right. So, look, that's out there. I mean, Vermees is an interesting character in general. I'm not even sure if I like him. Do you like Peter Vermees? I don't like him except for when he talks like this. <laughs> I enjoyed. No, I really thought it was good of him to stand up for his player, stand up for the American player, the MLS player. I think he's right in what he said. Most of the time, I'm not a big Peter Vermees guy, though, but I did like this. Yeah, yeah, it kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes. He does. Uh, hey, did you know that's the uh, 40th anniversary of Saturday Night Live? Did you know that was I happening? I did, and I, I tell you, like, first of all, I am a Saturday Night Live kind of junkie. I've read the Live from New York book. I, was, I don't know. That's a huge book. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I love all the behind-the-scenes stuff. I love the history of SNL. I'm that guy. I yeah, love watching not, reruns of it, so I'm stoked for this. That sounds like a 10 on the 1 to 10 scale. I'm probably more like a 7. I remember as a kid... Like, in, I don't know, my t- early teen years, not only was I watching every new episode of Saturday Night Live in the early 90s when I think it was the best, but I was, I was also watching reruns on Comedy Central yeah. like, every single day. Like, the, the 80s stuff, like when Anthony Michael Hall was on the show and it was absolutely terrible, I was still watching yeah. those shows. And I've seen, Eddie, you know, Eddie Murphy kind of years. Yeah, I've read some, some long-form stories about Lorne Michaels and gone back and, and, and learned about the history and obviously Chevy Chase is a dick and all of these things. So I'm sort of there with you. And we had a question on Twitter. Um, let me pull this up. I'm not sure who asked the question. I'm trying to pull it up now. But basically the question is, uh, which, okay, Matt Fisher, in honor of Saturday Night Live 40, which soccer star would make the best host? Because obviously, mm. look, Peyton Manning goes on there and kills it. Other athletes have gone on and done pretty well. Michael I Jordan, don't like Peyton Manning on there. Okay, but it's, he's obviously goofy, but I think people like him. Whether or not he's good is, is obviously a matter of your Charles opinion. Barkley was good. Okay, fair enough. What um, I, would, I, would, I mean, obviously the easy answer is Jimmy Conrad. Yeah, but I don't, okay, 
couple of things about player. Jimmy. By the way, happy birthday to you and happy birthday to Jimmy. I forgot about Thank that. Thank you, sir. I yeah. appreciate you that. You guys are exactly the same age, right? Born the exact same day exact of the same universe. Day. Like, like miles apart, right? Miles apart, most likely. Yeah, most likely. I'm sure he was born down there in L.A. too. I think uh, he was like in Arcadia, kind of Pasadena region. Okay, like that, so but. like, yeah, three hours in L.A. traffic. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, okay, number one. Current Jim, player, though? Jimmy's not a big enough name. Uh, Jimmy would be great. Jimmy's not a big enough name. And maybe that doesn't, maybe we don't factor that in. I'm just saying. And, and also, I think it's cheating because Jimmy is Jimmy. And it's, it's obviously an easy. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say a name here. And a lot of people may not agree, agree with me, but I think he actually has a pretty decent history of doing kind of good deadpan humor. And that's Landon Donovan. I'm going to go with you on that. I'm a hundred percent in that boat. I think it would be hilarious. Doesn't take himself ser- that seriously. I think it would be hilarious to see Landon Donovan doing SNL sketches. I think it'd be hilarious to see Landon Donovan do a sketch where he's on a couch and a German guy's interviewing him. If, like on, if, like on a therapist couch. If they wrote to Landon Donovan's strengths, that would be a funny show. I'm almost positive of that. Now, you know, did I tell you the theory I have? And this is like, this is weird. I should have this conversation with you off the air probably, but now we're talking about it. I, first of all, I love the work that, that this, the, that guys down at Fusion are doing down there. Okay. You know, in terms of the, yeah. the quality of the people that they're bringing in, they're bringing a lot of people you and I respect. And by even consider, friends. yeah, but they didn't even offer us a job. What the hell's up with that? Uh, I understand that yeah. though. They're, they're going for a global thing. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, to, I even I, I had this thought the other day that Zachary Rigg is had potential to be kind of like the Lorne Michaels of soccer in America. Wow, because you are, the, if you think in, about what what Lorne Michaels did in the early seventies, he went and picked the best people from a lot of these really small second city style places. And formed kind of like a little bit of a super group there. Okay. To really, that, of, of people that were there, doing their own thing and doing it well. I'm gonna say and he's doing that same type of thing. Okay. I'm gonna say right I'm, now, gonna, I'm gonna say so, I'm gonna say one thing that that maybe throws a wrench in this just a little bit. Well, I think Zach is a big figure down there in terms of finding this talent. I think Richard Farley's got a part to play in this as well. So let's just yeah. Throw but that he's a re- he's a recent addition though. No, but I think Richard is the reason that some of the guys we know or involved. Let me say it that okay. way. Okay. Either way, I think what they're doing down there is really right. I like the approach of what they're doing down there because it's like every time they add a person, it's like, damn, I wish I could work with that guy. It's it must be nice to have all that ABC cash. That's, That's all great. I'm say. Uh, I'll, uh, the other thing I'll say is while you have given incredible props to Zach Lee Rigg, who most of our audience probably doesn't know. I mean, he's formerly a writer at Goal and has done something. Is now working for Fusion. That's obviously what you know. Yeah. Um. I get. I guarantee you two things. One, he does not listen to this show. That's fine. Okay. No. Well. Okay. I'm not gonna guarantee you two things. I'll guarantee you that. So what I want to do, and I don't have a problem with it. You can listen to whatever he wants to. I want to see how long it takes for this conversation to get back to Zachary Rick. How long oh, do you think it takes? Seconds after if someone hears it. You think? Yes. All right. Maybe that's true. All right. So do we do we have a consensus? Is Donovan the consensus? We should have somebody else. I think Donovan. I don't know if there's another guy out there the same kind. Of, listen, there's funny guys out there. I think Dom Dwyer would be a fun, interesting kind of a choice. Yeah. But okay, the stature is an issue. I'm going to flip this around. I, I think. Well, okay. Regardless, like if we took stature Frankie out of Hayduck? it. We took stature out of it. Frank Frankie Hayduck is too wacky. I don't think that would yeah. unless he's doing peepers. I'm not sure that works, Mister Peepers. <laughs> Uh, can you imagine that? Frankie Hayduk doing Mr. <laughs> That'd be Peepers. pretty good, actually. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking about it. There have been, like, hosts who aren't, you don't think of them as funny, but they can actually be pulled into funny mode. Like, I don't know, Becca might be able to pull something off. Yeah, I, I, yeah, but I think it's going to be a lot of posturing. He's going to be the guy that's, uh, people are doing things around him, and he's playing himself. Oh, you know what? That's I, when you always know when a guy doesn't have much ability, when they make him play himself. No, I show. realize that. I bet you Henri would be pretty funny. Henri did a, did a pretty good job as the major D 
in uh, in the in the day uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off spoof that MLS did. I thought he was yeah. pretty good. So you could you could. Oh, well, you know what? That why wouldn't we didn't even say Mike McGee? Mike McGee would be, be fantastic. Absolutely. Maybe maybe Mike, some of these guys would be better cast members than host though. <laughs> I see Mike McGee as kind of like a Taron Killam kind of guy. Okay, fair enough. Uh, you know what? If you flip this around, the absolute worst choice. And I love the man, and and you know I love Michael how he Bradley. plays. Michael Bradley is one of them, but I was gonna say Clint. I don't think Clint could get down with some comedy. He just wants to do the. He just wants to do the, the be the musical guest yeah, for yeah. Leonard Donovan. <laughs> he, he could be the him and guy. Big Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> well, R.I.P. R.I.P. Big Hawk. Yeah, R.I.P. Big Hawk. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think that Clint Dempsey would be. Uh, it's a good question, though. If you guys got suggestions, hit us up at, at Best Soccer Show with your soccer host. Now, if we oh, went, J- no, Jimmy would be the Jimmy's the weekend update guy. Yeah, he would do. He would do well with that. Absolutely. He would do that. Well, with that. All right. Let me a couple of, of news and notes before we really run out of time here. Number one, Bobby Wood signed a new contract, got a new team, started scoring goals. I guess that's good. I can't pronounce the name. Do you want to try? No, not even close. I can just tell you they're at the bottom of the the, they, the second Bundesliga. They are, but, uh, and he scored two goals um, in a uh, in a win. Uh, and hit the post, them, I think, for a third uh, as they beat Fortuna Düsseldorf, which I can say his club. Here we go, Erzgebirge. Uh, oh, what are you, the Swedish chef? Erzgebirge. Oh, Erzgebirge. I'm pretty sure it's Erzgebirge. That's awesome. It's I'm like, not making like fun a, of German. like a bulimic girl, Urge the Purge or something. Yeah. The plight of AJ Soares is a little troubling to me. Now, I don't. I never had AJ Soares on my list of potential USA center backs or anything like that, Jared. Ah, but solid center back solid. In, the, in MLS. Solid. And you certainly want to, when a guy takes his shot at Europe, you want to see him succeed. Now, the, the, the thing about AJ Soares is he tried to sign with Hellas Verona in Italy. That was all lined up. Then it turns out that the num- a number one villain of American soccer, Rafa Marquez, of North American soccer, Rafa Marquez, had a clause in his contract that says he got a pay raise if the team signed another center back. So oh. that prevented A.J. Soros from going. Rafa Marquez always finding new ways to screw the Americans. I mean, it, it might as well be an elbow to the eyeball. Like, I mean, it's essentially, elbow to the it's wallet. A, it's essentially the same thing. So now A.J. is in Scandinavia, like, training and trialing. He was with Bob Bradley for a little while. Now he's at Viking or something. I think that's in Denmark. I'm not sure. It's just I'm, I'm a little rough. bummed. That's I'm a little bummed. I, I can't. I can't. I don't even know what to say. Like, I hope. Yeah, I mean, what do you call that clause that for Mark is like the cock block clause? <laughs> Dude, can you can you say that on this program? Uh, if you want to. Oh man! Damn dog! Inappropriate. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We we don't have any hard and fast rules about these things. Hey. All right. Uh, and the last thing I, I want to talk about, just briefly here, Jared, is uh, the news that Austin Barry. Former MLS Rookie of the Year defender, once with the Chicago Fire, most recently with the Philadelphia Union, was either training or on trial with the Cosmos, and it has come out that he's not going to get a contract or an offer from them, or they're not going to take him on loan, or whatever the the way that we think about it is. And it Shocking. doesn't it doesn't look like he's in the in the plans of the Union, who just signed a new center back from Portugal. What's happened to Austin Berry? I, I, I can't, I, you know, honestly, I mean, at first I was like, oh, he just, I mean, he played for Chicago and played for Philly. That's tough, two tough places to succeed, you know, as a def- with the, in the defense at either of those places. Um, Man, I got to think someone takes a flyer on this guy. If for nothing else, I mean, put him in your USL second division like team and let him prove himself and have him in your back pocket to bring up to MLS because, I mean, I, I can't see this guy falling off the rails that much so quickly, right? I don't know. It's amazing. 
I mean, it is. It's amazing to go from rookie of the year like three years ago to this. Is it even three? Isn't it two? Uh, yeah. Um, so what? Two thousand twelve. He was rookie of the year. Is that right? Yeah, two full MLS seasons. Well, okay. 2013, 2014. Yeah, I guess you're right about that. He was that. crowned at the end of 2012. Uh, I mean, that, geez, I mean, that's that's rough. I mean, I hope the kid gets a shot somewhere because I can't see how someone falls off the rails that quickly. I mean, hell, Toronto needs defense. I mean, there's a lot of teams out there that could use a, a good defender. I mean, yeah, I, I, that, that's a tough one. I, I, I hope that he, he finds his way onto someone's roster somewhere and, and, and gets at least a chance to prove himself. But hey, maybe the guy's not fit. Maybe well, he's not taking things seriously. Maybe. I don't know. Here's the problem. And... You know, look, I, I generally don't have an issue with this. You make a bigger deal of out, out of it than I do. But because he played in college, four years in college, came out, signed, you know, drafted by MLS, signed with the, with the league, joins the fire, wins, he's 26. Like he's, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's over for him, but he's not going to get better, is he? Is he going to get better now? I mean, the problem. Maybe the, not, but I mean, he, I mean, he, he, He's got to be better than a couple of guys that got deals in MLS, right? Well, maybe, but what my point is that if he had run Rookie of the Year at 19 or 20 and had a couple of rough years, he'd be 23, 24, and we'd still say, oh, he's got some future left and he's some, some you know, ability to improve, and maybe you sign him and put him in your reserve team. But at 26, are you going to give a 26-year-old Austin Barry a spot on it's your... It's almost not a fair fight if you got a kid that came directly into MLS at 18 who's fighting for Rookie of the Year, and you get a guy that's 22... Fighting for rookie of the year. One guy's four years older than the other one. They're both competing for a rookie of the year job. I know. I, hey, that's but that's how the American soccer structure works, my friend. And it's only going to get more. In Freddie Adu's case, he was competing for it at thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. All right, I think that's going to do it. I think we're done. Uh, go go enjoy SNL forty, Jared. I'm, are you DVRing the whole thing? It's like three hours. Of course, sir. Of that, course that, that, I would not dare miss it. All right, of course you are. I've All already right. seen that Justin Timberlake and Jimmy Fallon rap something, so I'm going to do check. Oh, that that's going to be the best part of the show, probably. All right, go to Jimmy, 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 Justin Timberlake may be the best host of the last twenty years. Uh, okay, I mean that's a long stretch, man. I'd have to think. Okay, about let's that say one. ten. Okay, definitely the last ten. Alec go, Baldwin may have him. Go to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review if you want to make a uh, an Archer reference in that review. That would probably be a good idea, right? Jared oh, yeah. would enjoy that. Uh, we should have like a code that people can drop into the reviews on iTunes. <laughs> Somebody say I hi think to Inapropes is the right one. Say hi to Zachly Rig as well. Uh, or they can just they can just put in the in the top part of the review, like the subject of the review, just put sploosh. Sploosh. Please go uh, to Twitter and follow us on Twitter at Best Soccer Show. Backheel.com is where the show lives. We have backheel.com slash store. I don't know how many people have bought t-shirts. I hope it's a lot because I think there's some good stuff over there. I've got my, my baller Chuck Blazer t-shirt and it, it kills. It's fantastic. Nobody gets it, but it's fantastic. <laughs> I get it. I laugh at it. That's all that matters. There's some, the, the Don shirt. Come on. How can you mess with Don Juan of Saigon? How can you mess with this stuff? Yeah. If you're, not, if you're, a, if you're a New England fan, you don't have a Don Juan of Saigon shirt. I don't know if you really support your team. That, I would agree with that. All right. Anything else, Mr. Dubois? That's it. Check out Soccer Morning now five days a week on World Soccer yeah, Talk. Yeah, worldsoccertalk.com slash live tomorrow morning. I'll talk to you then. Bye. Mikkel Morrison and Paul Sundiskere. Get to the chopper! Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. Duh and or hello. Damn, dog, that's inappropriate. Eddie! 
What have you done for me lately? Jay Rodius.